0: Oh boy. Already messing it up. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm
1: kidding. We're good. We're good. We're going.
0: Howdy folks, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad. We are a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and trying to raise our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Woody Brown, and today with me is a special guest host, Luke Pilgrim. Oh, man. What's up, brother? (sighs) Just hanging out, you know, doing 10 takes on the intro, but that's what Mm -hmm. I expected today. Well, and me too. I mean, that's what I look. If you don't think I'm used to doing a million takes, boy, you got another thing coming. No, but in all seriousness, dude, I appreciate you jumping in here and filling in for Tyler while he's away. And uh, for those of you listening that don't know who Luke is, let's just give him a little brief, uh, little brief history. Now, this is not the first time that you've appeared on the show. That's right. I think we just
1: came on that one other time, right? Did we just come on that one other time? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: We had you guys on...
1: Um, me and Ellis came on.
0: Brad was there too, right?
1: I don't know. I think it was just me and Ellis because we were, we were all playing that D&D game at the time or something. But, but we know each other from like
0: way back in the day playing music. Exactly. Like, way back in the day, played our bands played together. Um, uh, I think we even, like, practiced at your house one yep. time. Yeah. And then
1: um, I think we played, definitely played a few shows together, stuff like that. Yeah. We're kind of, like, around the same scene and everything. Yeah. Then I remember when I went back to college uh, at UNG, and you were working mm-hmm. there, so we definitely kind of reconnected then. And then... I graduated, started making you know videos and stuff. I have a company called Sozo Bear Films, and we do like commercials and music videos, and uh, we do original content to original short films. And uh, every now and then, Woody gets to act in them, which is a lot of fun. Oh, so much fun, dude.
0: And one of the, I guess, one of the most recent posts you guys have done or whatever is going through your Netflix and Stranger Things commercial that y'all did.
1: Yeah, we just, so yeah, last year we got to do the the Stranger Things, one which was like a dream come true, because like, I mean, obviously everyone's obsessed with Stranger Things. Such a great show. So we, they like, just because of like, we started this TikTok thing like a few, couple you know a few years ago just on like a just a hunch i had that i was like i think we could maybe do something with this because things are i knew several people who were doing stuff and they were blowing up on mm-hmm. there you know so we did this whole like uh we did this whole like i have a ghost in my house themed you know like a, it was a lark it was kind of like and obviously it's fake but it's like I called it the Blair Witch of TikTok, right, because it was like found footage style, but all vertical video footage from like a cell phone and stuff. So it went from, the story was like going from uh, the ghost stuff to uh, eventually it was revealed. It was like poltergeist activity, but that was, it was actually being caused by these aliens who were like, you know, interfering in my life and stuff, eventually abducted me and my wife Carrie. So and that was a ton of fun. You know, we picked up just a bunch of followers doing that. So mostly just picked up like crazy people who <laughs> think it's real though. So I don't know if there's many people, I don't know if any of them actually like what we do. I think they just all think that it's real stuff. But, uh, at any rate, because of that, we finally like had ber- some brands like reaching out and being like, Hey, can you make these videos? So Netflix Man. was one of them. And last year we did the, yeah, that was like crazy. like literally like you know, crap your pants moment. We're like, I just didn't think it was real though. Cause I was yeah. like, this is probably some random dude pretending to work right, for right. Netflix. <laughs> like, <laughs> how did he get our email? <laughs> so, uh, turns out he actually works there. And, uh, we did the stranger things ad last year, which was super fun. Like we got to make a Demogorgon from scratch. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like Ellis mo- 3d modeled it and stuff. We like animated it. And then we filmed it all like here, like in my house. And then like in my, church which looks i mean we made it look like hawkins lab kind of right. but like it just so happens there's a there's like a window that's for um like i guess for like uh nursing mothers and stuff it's like a two, a minute, it's a one-way on go- now, whatever on. it's called you know like a inter- on, interrogation mm-hmm. glass right like they can see the, the service it's not okay. the other way just, when you said it's window people it's gather around like, watching I assume
0: like rather than it just being like a two-way <laughs> <laughs> mirror or something like that you're like there's a window for uh, you know mothers I'm like what do you mean you just People like just, pop it it's out through like... the
1: window or what's happening so 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 anyways that room though looks like something like that we've actually used it for an interrogation scene as well for a thing we did but anyways filmed it all there and uh the, turned out really cool. They loved, you know, the Netflix like uh the Netflix shop, sorry. That's what it's specifically yeah. for, like the merchandise side of things. So they like really liked it and then this year they asked us to do one for the the whole Netflix shop, not just like the Stranger Things side of everything. And what was cool is they let us do whatever we wanted pretty much. We we you know, we pitched an idea which was uh, alien invasion theme because the whole the whole joke was that like there's a Netflix shop, but like most people don't know that that exists. Yeah. So I play this like conspiracy theorist dude who actually has like a podcast. I'm I'm actually playing you. Yeah. Sounds like that. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, he has like a podcast and he's like, you know, uh, saying these things have been around forever, blah, 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 you know, and we, we, we took like the Netflix product and put them in like photos that look like Bigfoot or the radar stuff of a UFO or whatever. And then we actually got to do a three part series, which is cool. And uh, it ended up being like their full campaign basically for the, this ended up being the thing that was like, we can't kind of came up with this theme of like the shop is out there, you know, see the truth for yourself in yeah. Netflix, our shop or whatever. And so that's what they used as like their slogan and stuff. So that was like super cool that's to super be able cool, to, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was a fun experience.
0: Well, I think our listeners will be able to tell kind of right away that just like Tyler and I, you're also a fellow creative and this is like a great opportunity for us to just to get together man it's been like quite a while since we were able to play D. we got something cooking and right now hopefully that we can kind of get around a table and play some dungeons and dragons soon but man i love any chance that we get to uh to hang out be creative together and uh so like I said before, man, I appreciate you being on and that's our show. Now <laughs> it's interesting that, so the Duffer brothers, I'm not sure how much, you know, you're, I'm sure, you know, a, a bunch about like what they were originally influenced by in general, especially do you know much about like things like the Montauk project and that kind of thing? Yeah, cuz like the original like uh lookbook was
1: called Montauk, I think, before they decided to do the whole Hawkins, Indiana thing. So, yeah, I've definitely I mean, I've looked into some of the Montauk the true story stuff a little bit, but um yeah, that stuff's super intriguing to me.
0: It's super crazy. One of the things about it is there's like a time travel element and you know people that listen to the show are going to know this, but I'm not sure if you do actually, Luke, but time travel in general is one of my favorite topics ever. You know, of course I love like the, the alien stuff, the, uh, cryptid creatures and that kind of thing. But time travel, man is just, it's the best to me. What is it about? What is it about time travel that gets you? Well, I mean, I don't know the idea. Is it like actually going? Yeah. I mean, maybe the just going somewhere, the ability to kind of go back and, Just as an example, you know, see your parents as they were when they were young or like go and witness Mm. some incredibly historic moment or, um, I don't know. I mean, something like that. I mean, yes, a part of me kind of wants to go into the future as well. See what it's like, you know, meet my great, great, great grandson Uh or something. Right. Yeah. And I think too, it's like,
1: especially once you become a dad, it's like time is a different thing now. It's like, it's like. Time is, for one, it's just like going so fast. You start to, you see that in your child because you're just like, oh my gosh, what? Like for me, and I only have a two-year-old, but I'm like, dang, dude, two years. It doesn't feel like two years went by. And I know everyone, like as you get older, time is just like, it condenses more and more. And I guess that's the relativity of it. It's like when you're born, I saw this cool video like many years ago, this really cool animation about it. But it was like the moment you're born felt like an eternity Because you had nothing else to compare it Mm. to. So, like, that first second was an eternity of time. And then the second second was half as long as that. And then the the next second was, like, half as long as the one before it. And it just keeps going. Mm. So that's, like, our perception of time. And that's why every year it could feel so much faster. And that's why a year, like used to feel longer, but now it's like, you know, five years passes and it only feels like a year past or something or something like COVID happens mm. and steals so much time from us. But it now, now we're like, wait, uh, that was like just 2019 or something, right? And they're like, or you, you think like something just happened, but no, it was, it was 2019
0: or something. And that was a long time ago now. Dude, for sure. I mean, to be honest, 2019 to now, kind of feels like one year. Exactly. Yeah. You know, sometimes I've just like, man, I don't remember exactly when that happens. I mean, I can now relate it to uh different sort of waypoints in time based on like my kids, you know, grade, but yeah, it's, it's, it's super yeah. fascinating that perception. I remember one time someone asked Jane a question like, Oh, you don't like peanut butter since when? And she's like, since the beginning of time. And, and it's like, Oh, since her beginning of time, you know, (laughs) it's different and it's just a, it's just a wild thing. And and one of my favorite questions ever, in fact, I kind of reached out to a bunch of listeners to see their answer because it's just something that I'm so curious about. And so I'm going to ask you this too, Luke, if you could go anywhere, when would it be or, or where would you go in time? What would your answer be to that? Um, that's a tough one. I mean,
1: I I don't want I know it's annoying to like ask a bunch of like caveats but yeah. like
0: let's just assume let's make am some am I gonna be like effective yeah no you're gonna be let's just say okay, you can yeah. like observe from like a safe place to where for this exercise anyway yeah. that you won't affect necessarily what's going on you can just like kind of watch it happening kind
1: of thing yeah because that's what i was wondering that or like if i show up somewhere in, in the middle ages and they think i'm a witch and just kill you just like dead instantly <laughs> and they try to kill me yeah yeah i'm just dead yeah and they would definitely um, think you were a witch i know right they're like this dude's hair is too long <laughs> dude i don't know i mean like it's it seems like insane kind of but like i don't know going obviously seeing dinosaurs would be super Mm -hmm. cool and that's like i think kind of a basic answer but
0: you
2: know
0: (laughs) jurassic
1: park that's probably mostly why because i'm like so obsessed with jurassic park Mm -hmm. you know it's like been my favorite movie my whole life yeah uh saw it when i was like six years old and uh Like, way too early, dude. I can't... My parents showed me stuff like I should not have seen, dude. I
0: don't know. I showed Woodrow that movie when he was, like, four, so...
1: (laughs) So, anyways... Yeah, I want to see Dinosaurs. That'd be super cool. I don't know, man. Like, obviously going back and seeing... The freaking Beatles or yeah, something would be yeah. super cool. Uh, I, I mean, wonder, anything. like, like that. Oh, sorry, I'm ahead. just nothing. I'm just anything that's like going back and seeing someone like that. That's like shaped culture mm-hmm. so much and like shaped even like you personally, you know, like me and you as like musicians and like yeah. seeing those, those type of, artist like sure. i mean imagine you could go back to like hamburg you know like before they were the yep. beatles beatles but then they were just like playing and in the cave, the cavern
0: club yeah. or whatever it was called i mean that's that'd be pretty that cool. would be incredible man i i sometimes get nervous i mean i don't i when i think about it in terms of monumental sort of points of history like going and seeing and you know you'd have to make some more assumptions here like that you could understand the language like if you wanted to go back and witness a sermon by jesus or something i sometimes get nervous that like those huge moments over time have just become so legendary that if you did witness it i wonder like would i be might be kind of disappointed you know
1: yeah i was gonna say jesus as well but i feel like the same thing it's like it would be super like crazy because you've seen it depicted in movies mm-hmm. and like just like figurine i'm oh, not what do you call figurines. it statues <laughs> i go over to my grandma's house and she <laughs> just she's, she's like okay now sit down
0: let me break out my figurines Bing, 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 dude, the bing.
1: Jesus G.I. Joe. <laughs> what are
0: those, Grandma? Oh, it's just small little bitty
1: pieces of bread and fish. Yeah, dude. Uh, or, or, but yeah, like art, I mean, throughout history has depicted, the, you know, Jesus or the Last Supper. Yeah. I mean, go to the Last Supper. It doesn't look, it's not going to look like the painting, you know. But how about like, you know, I mean, this is kind of crazy too, but like going back and seeing, you know, Moses, like, you know, Going in, you know, when he's like going up into the cloud, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, what was that? Was that a UFO kind oh, of thing? Because yeah. it's like oh, that's what it oh, sounds yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anytime I'm like re- reading anything, like or like we're sitting in church and like something like that
0: happens, I'm just like nudging my wife. I'm like, that's a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, then you fit in just perfectly here. Um, so like I said before, I reached out to a bunch of our listeners. And some of them wrote in their response to this question, and some of them recorded some answers as well. So let's hear what they have to say about if they could time travel, where would they go, or I should say when first up is one of the best friends of our show uh, from the very beginning, and that is our good friend clay, who uh well, let's all send positive vibes his way and Wishes of getting well soon. Go ahead, Clay. Take it away. I have often thought
3: about where I choose to travel in time. Growing up, I used to journey under a bridge that had a saying spray-painted in graffiti. I was on the grassy knoll. I think this would be crowded with too many time travelers who were possibly responsible for the magic bullet theory anyway. Maybe I would jump at the opportunity to hang out with Jim Morrison on a rooftop in 1965, overlooking Venice Beach. Or I'd like to see the Beatles perform in West Hamburg, Germany back in the 60s. I think the place and time I'd like to visit would be in St. Louis, Missouri, March 1st, 1893, when Nikola Tesla came to town. I would love to see his experiments with dynamic electricity and the wireless radio. It would be the chance of a lifetime to see one of the most mysterious inventors in the history
0: of the world. All right, and next is Julie and John, also best friends from the beginning of our show. And... They say, so John says he'd go back to when the pyramids were built. Julie, however, told him that was too cliche and to pick another one. So his answer was that he'd go back to the 2011 World Series and actually buy a ticket this time. I hear you, John. Uh, Man, I didn't even, actually, I didn't even think about, um you know, go to a sports event. Julie's answer was that she would hop between 1994 and 1998 and go to all her favorite band shows when, you know, they were in their prime and actually alive. I hear you next up. Our buddy, Jeff, uh, says that, well, it looks like he had a little bit of a, of a, uh, technical difficulty due to Instagram's recording time restrictions. Uh, which is a good reminder, if anybody ever wants to send us audio, of course you can just record it on your phone and, and send it via email to thatwouldberad at gmail.com. But also, uh, you can just go to our website, radpodcast.com, and there's a little button on there and you can leave us what they call a, a voicemail. So, Jeff says that in order to adequately answer this question, he needs to consider what subjects he thinks on most often. He came up with two, 1A and 1B. He said, if you'll allow me to cheat, and yes, Jeff, of course we will. One A would be to go to the pre-flood world in the days of Noah. He says, I have so many questions about that time period. What technologies did they have? Who were the fallen angels? What were the giants like? What was their common language? What was the mechanism for the flood? What was the climate like? What animals were there? What other biblical characters could I talk to, like Enoch, for example? A close second, I guess that's 1B, would be to go back to October 20th, 1967, at Bluff Creek, California. He says, I would love to be witness to what Bob Gimlin and Roger Patterson saw and filmed there. Was it Bob in a suit or... Was it an actual relic hominid in the flesh? Man, great answer. Okay, next up is Jesse, and I think you guys are gonna like this one.
2: Oh man, if if I could time travel, I would probably go back to the '80s. Like, I know that's such like a classic uh, answer for this, especially for this podcast. But like, I just I think I would have the greatest time just because of the movies, like I've seen pictures where the, the lineup for like a summer, the summer's movie theater is like the p- Terminator, the predator, like, te- uh, Nina Jones and the temple of doom, like, and they're all coming out at the same time, like gremlins. And I just think it'd be so great to be able to like be a high schooler, like during that time and be able to grow up and just watch these classic movies that like shaped so much of pop culture and just watch them as they come out. Cause I, I love eighties movies and I know I would just have a blast course like i would hate to go to mid- the medieval ages or anything and i would hate to go to egypt because i'd get the plague and i would die and i wouldn't be a very good night but in the 80s you still got mcdonald's you still got medicine and of course you got wicked movies and so i just think it'd be the best time
0: last and certainly not least our listener john says that he would like to go back to ancient greece and would kind of love to listen and talk with Socrates and Aristotle and just kind of witness that birthplace and time of Western society. And I got to say, that would be, I think that would be awesome too. I I would love to kind of go to ancient Rome and that kind
1: of thing. See, you have smart listeners, right? They come up with better answers than (laughs) us. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: (laughs) Clearly, our listeners are the best. So thank you so much to everybody that sent us those answers and responses. I mean, you guys are just so rad. Those are great answers. To that question. But for real, Luke, let me ask you this too. Because before I kind of said, if I just said, let's assume that there's no danger to it. If there was a danger, is there any point in time, past or future, that you would want to go back to? And it's harder. This is a harder question to answer now, being a dad and a husband and all that. But is there a point in time that you would want to travel to if there was a risk that? A, you could like actually be hurt, or B, you could never come back. No, yeah, it's not worth the risk now being a dad, but what if it was like some sort yeah. of and that's the Iron thing Man too. scenario where you could potentially save the world, but in doing so, you'd have to sacrifice this timeline?
1: Uh, I don't, yeah, and if I don't do it, the world's gonna be <laughs> like, sorry, folks. <laughs> If I don't do it, everyone dies. I mean, I guess you have to in that case, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. but I mean, duty yeah. calls, you know, but yeah, like there's that, what's that movie? Uh, about time. I think, is that what it's called? Yeah. The guy like can, he finds oh, out yeah, all yeah. the men mm-hmm. can time travel in his family or whatever. And then it's like, but the problem yeah. is like, you can't go back before your child was born. Otherwise now they're, you're going to you come back and you have a daughter instead of a son or whatever. Like you've switched, that person is now a different person, you know, things like that. So mm-hmm. that was a crazy concept. That... I mean, is that maybe misogynistic? Or I don't really know. If... Well, I don't know if that was the exact scenario. So maybe I oh, just... I added the misogynistic yeah. twist on accident. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, yeah. <I'm... laughs> You're like, and man, you could go back in time and really mess things up. Instead of a son, now you have a daughter. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a. I'm
1: working on myself. You know. It's... <laughs> but um. But no, that was a that was a cool cool. The movie is okay. The movie itself was kind of mediocre, I guess. But Um, Cool concept, though. Yeah,
0: I thought it was good, man. I loved that movie. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, maybe it does suck, but I just remember when I watched it, the concept was cool. And again, going back to it, dude, I just love everything time travel related almost, you Mm -hmm. know? So the interesting thing about time travel really is as we've kind of just accidentally done so many... Well, I mean, it's not just grabbed the attention of scientists and stuff like that, but of movie makers and storytellers and everybody in between... No matter how you grew up or where you grew up, you're going to be familiar with huge blockbusters like Back to the Future, the Terminator series, these things that kind of put these concepts in the back of your mind and you kind of start to think about these things. Well, I think that's part of the reason why I've always loved it. But I always wonder, too, like, well, what's the deal? You know, the biggest question, can we actually time travel Well, here's the thing. In the scientific realm, special relativity and general relativity kind of throw their weight behind this idea of time travel, mostly moving forward. It's more plausible and more sort of scientifically accepted Mm -hmm. that, yeah, you could probably move forward in time. I mean, I kind of hear that. I'm like, well, if I just sit here, technically, I'm going to be moving forward in time, right? So I mean like faster than that. Don't they, like, think, though, something about, like, going back,
1: like, because if you could travel faster than the speed of light or something, like, you could travel back through time or something like that? I don't know. Like, going back, I don't know. I I guess, because it's kind of like how, like, there's stars and stuff. Like, we're seeing light from stars that are from, like, you know, eons ago or things like that, you
0: know? Is Mm -hmm. it possible? Yeah, they might be, like, planets that have already been destroyed or something that that the light hasn't traveled here yeah yet or, and we haven't witnessed that event you right
1: know? like they were saying i was watching this video that was talking about like the signals we've been sending out right and like if aliens are mm-hmm. hearing what we're putting out or whatever then it's like it hasn't even reached you know but however many light years away stuff like that like right. it, it, it was kind of giving parallels of like however far away these like sort of radio waves have reached like Those people are hearing or those, you know, entities or whatever are hearing, you know, stuff from like whatever World War Two or something, you know,
0: Uh, stuff like that, which Mm -hmm. is which is wild. Yeah, it's definitely wild if you think about like, you know, I remember, I don't know, maybe it was, yeah, this summer, like around July when it seemingly felt like there was a UFO flap going on, like tons and tons of witnesses and all these things happening all at once. And then like the declassification of it and Tyler, for example, would question, you know, what's the, is this a politically driven purpose or some folks online had said things like, well, maybe they're kind of getting us ready because they know that this stuff has existed and something big is they're anticipating something big happening and they want us to just sort of be, more familiar and ready for it and if we acknowledge it as a government that this is real then that maybe maybe we'll take a little bit of the panic away from it but if you think about it imagine you have a craft now we're getting off the topic of time travel and kind of moving into something else here but it's kind of related not, uh, and you'll see why so basically you're getting off this topic uh, i mean topic, you're, getting off this topic. <laughs> you're, you're talking about these imagine you have a craft that can travel faster and then this be of light or sound and you hear these things happening and you're like oh man they're developing what they're maybe they're uh, intercepting some radio transmissions and they're talking about nuclear war and all this and then you zoom here but by the time you get here it's now all that time has passed and it's different it's a different world and stuff i don't know it's just it's super interesting to think about
1: well like i was just listening to uh rogan had uh that david grush guy or whatever on who uh was kind of the whistleblower on a lot of the uh ufo stuff you know what i'm talking about and uh, it's Mm -hmm. it's a really yeah it's a wild episode because he's just like going into a lot of detail on what all they definitely have you know which is just crazy that um like think about our entire lives it's been like in movies, it's been in this pop culture, and we've been, you know, it's like we, we've kind of been shown this, uh, especially the grays, you know, the gray alien, like, image is, like, mm-hmm. burned into our retinas from, like, keychains to, uh, like, whatever, you know, like, t-shirts mm-hmm. to... Skateboards, yeah, all that, yeah. And it's, like, it's weird. That, it's, like, why has that been depicted like that and then why is it so common i I feel like it's almost that's almost feels intentional for some reason but um but yeah he's just talking about like they've got you know the bot the the, the bodies the like biological like entities, you know things he wouldn't like go into details on if they've like communicated with living things and all that but i mean probably you know and like it's just it's just crazy like that that's it's like kind of like Pretty for sure now. Like the way they the way it's all been it's coming out. Like in Congress, they're talking about this stuff. It's not just like crazy fan crazy theories on a conspiracy side or something anymore. But yet still like most people they either just don't care, you know, and I guess people have a lot going on, you know. So people Mm -hmm. are just like, Whatever, aliens are real, I guess.
0: But uh I mean
1: it's crazy, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, no. I mean it is. And and I don't know about you but it does give me a level of, um, well, I mean, it, it's just, there's some anxiety that comes along with that, you know, and sort of like almost a slight amount of sort of insignificance in terms of, it's sort of like them. I don't know if you've ever been around like a humongous animal, like an elephant or something or, or a rhino. Like, I don't know how close you've ever been able to come up on one of those, but I've been, I got to feed an elephant at the New Orleans Zoo, which was super amazing. It was when, uh, our band, the modern society was on tour and Thomas, you remember Thomas, our drummer, mm-hmm. his, um, now wife's sister worked at the zoo. And so we got to go behind the scenes and we fed this like huge African gray elephant. And it's like, as a biological creature at that moment, I felt like, man, I'm an insignificant little bitty being on this world, you know, and how easily I could just get snuffed out by this thing. I kind of feel that way, you know, about about uh, aliens. And so my thoughts are hopefully the ones that they're sen- sending are sort of like exploratory, scouting, sort of knowledge-gathering type creatures. But, man, it wouldn't really... I don't know. It really wouldn't take too much for them to just conquer us all. Yeah, and I feel like, too, like, I
1: mean... What do we, you know, what do our scientists or whatever? I mean, granted, most of them all do care about, I think, the animals that they are studying. But, I mean, just your average person, it's like, you don't, you know what I mean? Like an ant bed. Like you step on an ant bed or yeah. something. Or like mm-hmm. you, uh, it's just like inconsequential to you. And I feel like maybe that's how we are to, if, if they're like super advanced, which they must be. If they got mm-hmm. here somehow, you know. And, I mean, also, I think, I mean, maybe, I mean, I'm sure, I know you guys talk about this stuff all the time, probably, but, like, the the interdimensional, like idea of it you know I mean right maybe they came maybe that's how they are getting here you know and it's not necessarily that they've got to fall you know traverse the universe or whatever Mm -hmm. but you know something about time travel I was just thinking was was like because you were talking about back to the future and all that stuff like obviously one of my favorite movies have you noticed like the shift of like time travel movies used to be like you go back in time and change something you come back and things have changed or whatever and now Mm -hmm. it's like different Mm -hmm. it's like I guess there's this multiple uh multiple timeline thing that's like so popular now in all of our like Mm called all of our art and stuff like from the even from like the big Avengers stuff to like you know smaller movies where they're talking the new spider-man
0: movie yeah yeah.
1: and then I just watched one the other day with um it was kind of like a horror movie where she's like got to go back and uh I forget what it's called dude totally uh totally killer yes exactly so kind of Kind yeah. of like back to the future, but not because it's like a different timeline or something, you know, whenever she goes, come back or, yeah. so I feel like, I guess maybe it's from like either we're advancing with like our theories or something, or I don't know, maybe something mm-hmm. like bigger that that's we, we
0: see the world differently. I don't know. Yeah. It is almost like in the evolution of thought in terms of how it all works. And you're right, man, we, we talk about that stuff a good bit, uh, on the show and, and it's, another reason why I love it so much, because then there's that aspect of it, like um, uh, an inter- interdimensional aspect. But then in terms of like aliens and stuff, there's also like the, or have they been here all along? Do they live within the earth? You know, something that Ann, uh, my wife Anne, talks about a good deal is like, you know, yeah, you can get so far deep into the earth and, and take all these like seismic measurements and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, and it's not that she's like a hollow earth, you know, theorist or anything like that. It's just but, that but it's interesting <laughs> that we like, we say like, Oh, the center of it is like a molten core. And it's like, well, what if it isn't, mm-hmm. we don't know, you know? Yeah. I it's totally. that quest for like the unknown that just, I think, I don't know, man, it, I love it. It, it does. It, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just, It's my favorite thing ever, you know, honestly. No, I love that
1: stuff, too. I, Dude, I freaking... (laughs) I got, like, a, a little bit obsessed on TikTok with... And it's not because I'm, like, I believe this theory, but it's, like, the Flat Earth stuff is so fun to uh i, I would just listen because there's these people i've f- kind of like followed who are like in they're obviously like globe earth people and then there's the flat earth people so mm-hmm. the globe so they would just have the, they do these live streams though on tiktok and they're just like arguing dude and i don't know i like for months i listened to it like <laughs> like all the time it's just them arguing about you know because they're all like nasa's lying to us all and the other guys are like using
0: all this science oh, to no. like prove like yeah dude like you I think I need to take a week off and then you and Tyler need to jump in here and you guys can talk about that stuff because he sends me this like NASA's line to us stuff and like. Right. Well, I, no. The flat earth stuff is where I like draw the line that, a little bit.
1: Hey, well, that's what I'm like, saying. Like, mm-hmm. me too. I don't believe that the earth is flat. I, I, and I don't even like the theory, but I, I like the argument online. Like, I like watching these guys yeah. just totally school these <laughs> flat earthers because they're just like, it's mostly flat earthers. They don't understand like. Mm -hmm. How anything actually works. Physics. Yes. Science. They'll just be like, oh, well, you know, if you're flying a plane, you'd have to keep dipping your nose down to stay with the curvature of the earth. And they're just like, no, they just you don't understand how big the earth is like it's it's holding us here because of the yeah. gravitational pull you know or they'd be like why is it sp- if it's spinning that yeah. fast why aren't we flying off of it you know and they're like well it's spinning fast but yeah. it takes 24 hours to turn around so imagine if you had a swimming pool that and it took 24 hours to turn it all yeah. the
0: way around would you would the water splash out no you know right after we get back from a break we're going to dive into this story because this is one dude that like the more I read about it. Now, it's it's kind of like one of those things that as when Tyler and I started this show, I would just write down a bunch of stuff and then I would be like, oh, yeah, I want to get to that. This one is one that I never really got a chance to dive into. And so just to kind of give everyone like a quick teaser, it is this story about this guy who essentially built a time machine and then kind of uh, got a bunch of attention and then just disappeared. And not for just a little bit but for a long time, and seemingly is somebody that knows what he's talking about, but just like a lot of these internet and pre-internet mysteries, they kind of take on a life of their own. So when we get back, let's dive in, and I cannot wait to tell you the story of Mike the Madman Markham.
2: After these messages, will be right back.
3: pretty good cool place if you're a Martian
2: or a vampire or a
3: vampire i think you really know what's happening around you, don't you bro is anyone out
0: there wrong we're fighters for truth justice and the american way hey this is woody and this is tyler and you're listening to that would be rad and now back to our show All right, so it all began in the year 1995 when a man named Mike Markham, who at the time was a 21-year-old aspiring electrician from Stanbury, Missouri, he was out building this device called a Jacob's Ladder. Now, listener, I'm not sure if you know what that is, but Luke, have you ever heard of that device, Jacob's Uh, Ladder? I don't know. I don't think so. What is it? So it's one of those, it looks like two antennae, like, kind of... Uh, they're, it's sort of closer together at the bottom. And then, you know, you picture it about a foot and a half tall for the smaller ones. And you'll just see like this arc of current just kind of like to the top. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. You know yeah. What I
1: mean? Totally. Yeah. I know what that is. Yeah.
0: And so like the hardcore electricians and or, you know, physicists and stuff will build like bigger ones than just, you know, one that you can build with a coat hanger basically. But there are people, and speaking of hilarious videos, there are people on the internet that try to build these things just using what they plug in. And and it's just, it's a danger. So don't do it. But (laughs) believe it or not, this guy building this thing is actually what sparked and what began this weird journey into the realm of time travel. The thing about this dude is he was building this thing (laughs) right on his front porch. Now, I'm not sure what his neighbors thought about this at the time, but I kind of picture this sort of being a real-time experience, sort of like how the neighbors would treat Rick Moranis in Honey, I and the Kids. Yeah, totally. You know, like, you're driving by, and you're seeing all these sparks and stuff, and you're like, boy, that guy. He, he, you know, especially down south where we're, where we're at, you know, they're going to be like, man, that kid just ain't right. Yeah, you'd probably, you, know? you would think it was like they have a meth lab or something. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but this was 95, and i guess especially in missouri maybe it was a little more to each his own i don't really want to dive too far into like the technical side but there are some aspects that i think are important to know now so that you know to give some context later as to how much like power we're talking about here so to initiate this electric arc in between these two metal rods basically it's generally about 10 well several tens of thousands of volts but The standard household voltage in the U.S. is only like 120 to 200 volts, 240 volts, which obviously wouldn't do jack squat, right? So this dude who was learning how to be an electrician basically was, he just kind of rigged it up. And he learned, because of his knowledge, how he could sort of coil the wire around this shared coil to basically... Hack and end up getting far more voltage uh, through all this. He would also have to use his house's fuse box and all this other stuff. Okay, so he eventually was able to step up his, vol- his voltage from 120 volts to close to 20,000 volts and was building one with wire hangers. When you apply this voltage to these conductors, and this is kind of how it works and how it sort of does that step ladder effect. The electrical pressure ionizes the air particles between these rods, which allow this current to flow. The arc then kicks off at the narrowest point at the bottom where the rods are at, you know, closest. And then this heat that's generated makes the air less dense, which causes the arc to then rise up these rods. However, the arc won't initiate on its own. You have to kind of manually adjust the rods, bring them closer to, or together or further apart, and it's kind of finicky. Any kind of changes to air pressure, humidity, temperature, even a hint of smoke or dust and it would just kind of blow the whole thing up, just mess it up completely, wouldn't even work. So what does this guy do? Well, he has this ingenious idea. He's like, well, what about lasers? He thinks, what if I could use a laser to then heat the air around these conductors? That should lower the resistance, ionize it and spark the ignition. So he's, he, now, now a lot of people do a lot of different things on their free time. This guy is just a little different from, from myself and probably Luke. Now I say that and it's like, just like us, man, like we were talking about earlier, once we get an idea in our head, it's like, well, we're just going to do whatever it takes to get it done. Right. Mm -hmm. So he takes apart his CD player. He takes the laser out of the CD player. Connects it to his, this homemade transformer that he makes. Fires it up. Doesn't work. So he's disappointed. He's about to disconnect this thing. And if he's anything like me, maybe throw it across the room. And then something weird happens, dude. He notices something kind of weird just above this homemade transformer. He notices that there's this like air distorted sphere looking thing. Almost like... You know you know what happened when you look at the road when it's really hot and you see that mirage? Yeah. So picture that, but it's like spherical, almost like a dadgum portal-looking thing. Just out of curiosity, he wasn't sure if it was dangerous. He didn't, wasn't sure, you know, what would happen if, you know, he didn't put his hand in it, you know. With all that voltage, he wasn't going to risk it. So he throws this sheet metal screw into this energy field. I like that he chose something metal. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. But check this out, dude. The screw disappeared completely. No. Yeah. So he's standing there. He's confused. He's just kind of like, what? And kind of doubting if his eyes are playing tricks on him. And then all of a sudden, after it momentarily vanished, it kind of reappeared. But this time outside of the field... But a couple feet away, he replicated the experiment multiple times with the same outcome. Any object that he tossed into the field disappeared for a brief moment before reemerging. So it just like reemerged. Just, uh, just did it
1: like fall to the ground? You know, like
0: yeah. So if you put it through the field, it would be it would just like disappear and then would reemerge, kind of. In a different spot. So not really like a straight line of where he threw it. And yeah. That'll come into play more in just a second. So he, obviously he was intrigued and he kind of started to speculate, okay, is this machine teleporting objects or is it propelling them a few seconds into the future? After a while, the machine that he was using actually overloaded all of this power and electricity and stuff that was running through him just completely effed it all up. The lasers burned out. The components were fried. He's just, you know, this is a huge setback, but he was undeterred by this. Mike then left with nothing but just this burnt box of parts. But he knew he'd stumbled upon something that had to be groundbreaking. So he wanted to take it to the next level. As you do. He's going to put his cat through his thing. <laughs> well, check this out. Okay. You're not wrong. So instead of this initial 18-inch prototype, he, he wanted to build something even more impressive, so like an eight-foot structure. The challenge being, though, that he needed more. No matter how big he built everything else, he had to have more power. And this is kind of how he sort of devised this plan for this next phase. He was now convinced that he'd invented something special. Maybe even he was leaning more towards it being a time machine and knew that he needed to test it. He needed more power, larger conductors, more lasers. The real hurdle, of course, was securing that much power. So the house provides 120 volts at maximum. His prototype, only for a few minutes, could put out like 20,000 vol- volts, but scaling up again would. Require more than like 50,000 volts and, and higher. And so, just like anybody in the early 90s would have done, he decided to maybe just borrow them from uh, a local substation. <laughs> and so, he and a couple buddies grabbed a couple pickup trucks and they went over to the substation, ripped out these transformers, and started working on his machine.
1: Oh, my God, dude. He's like, I need 1.21 gigawatts.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's Brown. <laughs> He's just going crazy. Now, imagine, like, I just called you up and like, all right, man, I need you to wear your ninja costume. We're going to get these, trans- these conductors. I'm building a time machine. I'm in. I love it. So he gets it all put together. They plug it in, basically. I'm sure that's not really the correct terminology. We're going to go with it. <laughs> and as soon as he turns it on, This loud crack and spark plunged. And by the way, he's now got it. It's not on the front porch anymore because that would be too obvious. He's That's... got some stolen goods. <laughs> it's now inside of his house. Obviously, this dude's single.
1: Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> so he he turns it on, this huge crack, and the house goes dark. The new machine that he'd made had knocked out all the power. But guess what? Not just in his home, but across the entire town Mm -hmm. he made a couple of you know tweaks here and there and figured out how he could manage to get the machine to run without causing these town-wide brownouts that's a racist and uh, (laughs) (laughs) brown and the machine (laughs) generated this energy field or vortex this time a few feet wide Objects that he put into this vortex, however, no longer reappeared. They simply vanished into the unknown. Now, obviously, this dude's smart. And he's smart enough to, though, although he made some bad choices and he's got some stolen gear to make it happen, he's smart enough not to just be like, okay, who's going in first, right? So they just used, like, you know, small objects at first and and all this and of course they started to wonder like well what would happen if we put in larger objects like what would happen could it go through would it go through so he decided well why don't we put my couch why don't we just push my couch through it and i got good news and i got bad news the good news is he pushed it in it entered the energy vortex and again disappeared without a trace the bad news is his cat was still on the couch. Oh, no. And it disappeared without a trace uh, as well. Wait, now, uh, hold on. How
1: do you not notice the cat on the couch?
0: Well, I think maybe he just didn't care. I don't know, which makes him kind of an <laughs> a-hole.
1: Dude, and also, <laughs> what kind of cat is sleeping through that? Well, I don't know. Cats can dude, sleep through anything. my cat
0: sure. is so old, dude. First of all, she's like hobbling around this house. <laughs> she's just... My cat would do that. She would just be like, huh? Like you fill up the food bowl. She still meows staring at the bowl. And you're like, I don't understand. I just gave you food. There's water is full. The water's full. And she's just like looking at you and like, okay. She's just staring at the wall. Just, I would put her through the vortex. Um, (laughs) So he, he and all his buddies are just kind of standing there in this empty living room. He just sacrificed his couch and his cat. Mm -hmm. And... They're just captivated by this swirling field of energy when all of a sudden a series of really hard, forceful knocks coming from the front door. Mike goes to the door, he opens it, and he finds eight deputies on the property with a search warrant in hand. The officer leading the group informed Mike that his neighbors had reported weird activities going on in the house, which prompted them to connect the dots between Mike's project, the power company's report of missing equipment and all that. And so Mike's ambitions and his experiment would of course have to be put on hold because now he faced the legal consequences for the thefts uh, of these transformers and the power usage. And so he was actually sentenced for 60 days in jail and placed on five years of probation. So there's like proof of that, right? Like yeah, that, 100%. That... And and the cool thing about it is there there were all these headlines that came out like, Kansas City Man Tries to Build Time Machine on Porch. Just all these stories that came out locally. Whoa. It highlighted like his attempt to create this time machine, the fact that he stole these things and, and all this. And even within the article, they uh, interviewed some professors and stuff at uh, the University of Missouri in Kansas City. And one of the, I think it was like the chairman of the physics department there said that his contraption and the description of it wasn't entirely without merit. In the article, the professor, I'm sorry, the Stanbury police explained that the diverted voltage into the contraption had caused power interruptions in the small town of nearly like 1300 residents. He was uh, arrested on a felony charge for stealing transformers from a Power generation station in King City, and again, got five years of probation and 60 days in jail. And of course, you know, they emphasize the danger of it all and how each one of those transformers contained a capacity of 12 to 76,000 volts each. Whoa. And here's what's cool so this headline comes out, immediately garners the attention of someone famous in the realm of all of these things and truly probably the main reason we all know about it today and that it's because i think
4: it was the end of last week yes it was saturday morning i read you a story that was faxed to me by somebody in columbia missouri and i thought it incredible the uh story is uh entitled kansas city man tries to build time machine on porch now, in case you don't remember the, uh, the, the general tenure
0: of the art none other than Art Bell himself read this headline and reached out to Mike to have him come on his show Coast to Coast back in the nineties. No so I guess he told I guess he told this story that you're telling on. Art yeah, Bell. yeah. So Art on the show, you know, he 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 kinda of mentions this and then he invites Mike to come on and Mike comes on
4: so there it was and um, you know me and these kinds of stories and how I'm fascinated by time so I set out to find young mr. Markham and I found him I found him it wasn't easy I went through a couple of uh, our affiliates and then I just uh, started going to uh, phone directories and uh, rooting about and uh, lo and behold there was a new number and it was um, it was Michael's, and I've got Michael here, and so I thought I would ask him, and I did a little earlier today, and we're going to go through it right now and find out exactly what it is Michael was trying to do. We'll get back to him in just a moment. Um, Michael, are you there? Uh, yeah, good. Uh, first of all, had you heard that story before? Oh, the, but, uh... yeah, the one I just read. Uh, yeah, you've heard that, huh? Yeah
2: like I'm like collecting clippings on it now. Oh you are? Yeah.
4: How old are you Michael?
2: Uh, 21.
4: 21, pretty young.
2: Yeah, very.
4: Um, now let's go kind of back through the story like you and I did uh, earlier today. Uh, this all began, well why did it, that's a good question, I didn't even ask that. Why did this begin in the first place? What were you trying to do in the first place?
2: Uh, originally, I just set out to make a fancy Jacob's ladder, and this was like what I got. What it turned what it turned out to be. Uh, uh, I didn't like right.
4: a lot of people don't know what a Jacob's ladder is. Tell them what it is.
2: Uh, simply, in a nutshell, it's uh, uh, like two metal rods with a spark going up between them, and once it reaches the top, it
0: starts back And he's interviewed for like close to an hour and a half on this show, and when you listen back to it, man, not only does Mike sound legit, but he had clearly now when you're, he gets so technical when he's talking about stuff that you're like, okay, either this guy is the most brilliant sort of BS or con ever. Man. Yeah. Or he really knows what he's talking about. And the thing is, Art Bell has a pretty large knowledge and expertise in electronics and stuff like that too. And so, Going on there, it would have been this would have been the moment that, as he explained these concepts and stuff, that Art Bell would have been like, um, you know what I mean? Like if I went on to the show and was like, okay, so what you do is you, <laughs> you gotta plug it in. You know, they would have been like, get out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they go, they dive into like the watts, the wattage, the amperage, the voltage, and all of that. And you can tell that, he, like me listening to it, because I don't know. The ins and anything. outs of the electrical world, you know? In fact, electricity scares the bejesus out of me. Oh, yeah. Um, you can tell he's not just feeding Art this, like, word salad or anything like that. He seemed, like, really humble, and he just didn't... He, You could tell that he's not... He wasn't doing this for any kind of fame or attention. In fact, you got to remember, it was Art that reached out to him. You know, the only reason even knew about that's because he got busted (laughs) because he you know turned the whole town of 1300 people like you know took their electricity away and all this stuff was going on and the neighbors were just like what are all these sparks happening over here this guy's weird man (sighs) and um millions of people heard that interview obviously sparked a wave of of, um you know interest and stuff well in the interview well I, i guess after that he kind of mentioned that you know he's like well i mean i'm gonna to have to kind of like figure this out because i'm gonna i'm gonna have to do it legal this time and to do that i'm gonna need funding and all that and i'm gonna to have to find it well dude this is i can't even imagine anything else but this is probably one of the most like the first sort of crowdfunding type situations tons and tons of people started calling in and offering everything from gear that he could use like transformers you know in the in the uh form of their donation basically tons of materials also money and financial support and after that he was even able to kind of like put together this team of you know engineers and uh, scientists physicists all this stuff even got a, a warehouse he Builds this new team. He's able to collaborate with them. He gets this, he secures this warehouse out in, um, oh gosh, I think, it's, I think it's Oklahoma. And he dedicated like a full year of constructing this newer, larger, definitely upgraded version of this. And then what was the end result? Well, apparently the machine worked because surprisingly after this success, in fact, Art at the time had been kind of keeping touch with him. He would reach out to Mike from time to time just to see how he was doing. And Mike disappears. And not just for like a day, not for a year, but for 18 years, dude.
4: We'll return after these messages. There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad.
0: 18 years <laughs> 18 years man like mike's whereabouts activities became a source of mystery for art now art bell would even occasionally kind of ponder on his show like what haven't heard because you know listeners would reach out and say like you know whatever happened to that guy and yada yada yada. and, and you know I've, I've heard the the show audio where you know art sounds kind of sad honestly he's like yeah i don't know um I hope he's doing out, you know, okay, wherever he is out there. I mean, so 18 years pass. And guess what? Art finally caught up with Mike. And man, a whole lot kind of went down since they last chatted. So after. He was on the Art Bell Show. Like I said, he got a bunch of donations, all this kind of stuff. It was Kansas, not Oklahoma. So he set up this warehouse in Overland Park, Kansas, and he actually built several different versions of this machine. You know, each one of them kind of different. Well, one of them incorporated these rotating magnets that allowed him to create what he called a plasma tornado on Art Bell's show. He kind of explains that in depth. I'm not going to get into it here, but if you remember back to how lasers would heat up that air better, he also thought, well, hmm, I wonder if plasma and magnetism could do that. And so it was a more efficient approach than the laser-based approach that he had uh, previously. Now, let's talk numbers real quick. You remember the first prototype that he ran was on like 20,000 volts, Mm -hmm. right? And then... The next one that sort of ate the couch and the cat Mm -hmm. cranked up to about 70,000 volts. Now, this new one that was in this warehouse was a whopping 3 million volts. Whoa. So as Mike is now back on the show, he's kind of given Art this crash course on volts and all that kind of stuff and this plasma tornado and the magnetic field and how all that stuff well art kind of mentions that wow this kind of sounds a lot like the technology and what they and sort of what was described later in the philadelphia experiment and i don't know and we're not going to you know that's that we haven't done that on the show yet and we haven't discussed it but if it's something that you kind of know a little bit about or don't know a lot about you should definitely Look into it, dude, because it's really crazy. It's stuff that I didn't know about either. You know, you're talking about people.
1: Oh, Like the people getting stuck in the ship and stuff, right? Like when they like teleported them or whatever and they just like. Exactly. They're like sticking out of the hull of a ship
0: now. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. It's insane, man. And the types of things that Mike was putting into the machine this time around you know, started off initially kind of smaller bits of wood and construction debris or baseballs, you know, anything and everything that wasn't alive, essentially they would put in there and they would go through the vortex. Like it was nothing. They would disappear, but they didn't, again, they just vanished and would disappear uh, without a trace, just like that couch. But these objects didn't just vanish. They ended up in different spots. Like they would go in, disappear, and then about two minutes later they would reappear. But this time they would always end up between 50 and 150 yards east or west of the, sh- of the machine, but never north or south. So Mike had this theory that maybe the Earth's rotation or maybe even its magnetic field played some sort of role into why these objects ended up appearing elsewhere which all of this kind of sounds crazy but there were you know people there that were his kind of i don't know i don't know if you want to call them co-workers or whatever but they they would you know witness this stuff eventually it got to the point where those objects and about that sort of theory about the equator and stuff. So the earth's still spinning. And so if you like go through this vortex, well, you know, two minutes from now, the earth's in a different location. But to your point, when you were talking about the, uh, the swimming pool and the flat earthers and stuff, it would still be, I think it would be more noticeable if you were in a static position, but everything else was moving. You know what I mean? Right. And so you'd be able to, like, for whatever reason, that was one of his theories about why. It would be in a different location, which is a whole nother thing to think about in terms of the scariness of time travel. Like if you went back, would you just like end up and this kind of goes back to your the Philadelphia experiment thing. Would you just end up like halfway in inside of a wall that maybe didn't exist? Yeah, Whenever dude. You, you know, or a mountain
1: that's like, you know, eroded over the years or something. Oh, God. <laughs> You're, You're just like,
0: mm. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's terrifying, man. Yeah. So because of that, they're still a little scared to kind of go in on their own. And so what did scientists typically use whenever they don't want to use a human? Well, small furry critters. So they started to test mice, hamsters, guinea pigs, and Mike ran about 200 successful tests. It seemed that by tweaking the voltage and magnetic speed and stuff, he could actually also control how far things traveled he even got good at predicting where stuff would end up and how long it would take to kind of pop back but just like everything there's always that one final test it's like that one final mission or you know like uh, uh what was that movie that ann and i were watching the other day the uh it's kind of like mark Wahlberg and they're like the robbers um, yeah
1: it's always like one more job you know
0: and then we're yeah, done yeah. exactly and so he just you know this was his final test right here. So Mike standing in front of the vortex, took a deep breath and like an apple, jumped in. <laughs> People around him saw this big flash of light and then poof, gone. Again, Art Bell had been tracking this like a hawk, he even planned to visit the warehouse. But when he checked in on Mike, one he was just gone. No one that knew him knew where he was, nothing. Now, let's cut to, in Mike's reality, he jumps through, boom, instantaneously he wakes up in the middle of nowhere with this terrible headache and no memory of how he got there. Not even his own name. So what does he do? Well, he gets up. The good news is it's not like the Terminator style time travel where you're just like butt naked (laughs) crouched in the street yeah and you know he gets up he starts walking and he's kind of uh, he, he, he makes it to Fairfield Ohio which is about 800 miles due east of this warehouse but he doesn't have any driver's license he's got no ID no credit cards no money essentially he kind of jumped in without thinking ahead he just thought oh I'll just end up you know 150 yards west from here so he goes to this homeless shelter. He spots this newspaper and looks at the date. He jumped in time two years into the future. Wow. So he ends up kind of like hustling a little bit, getting, getting an odd job, scrapes together enough cash to get a bus back to this warehouse. He's kind of like the memories are kind of coming back to him. And when he gets there... The place is completely empty. Everything's gone. No machine, no videos, no notes, no documentation, no records. Everything's gone. As if the vortex itself sucked it all up with him when he left. So he's sitting there and he thinks, well, okay, my memories are kind of coming back. I think I could rebuild this machine. I I got like 90 to 95% of it in my brain. But it's going to cost more money, of course. So, he's back. He finally gets back on the horn with Art Bell. Of course, it's been 18 years for Art by the time that Mike kind of gets it all together. Now, this part of the timeline seems a little weird. There's not a whole lot that <laughs> fills in the blanks there. Yeah, kind of fuzzy. I don't know if he's just like wandering around Kansas and just been like...
1: Who am I? Yeah, because I thought you were going to say he, like, jumped. He had been, you know, 18 years he jumped. He's like, oh, my God, 18 years passed when I went through this portal.
0: Yeah. No. So I think he just kind of scrapes the money together because, I mean, I guess it took a while for those memories to kind of come back, for him to figure out things. But just like a lot of these stories, man, things get a little shaky underfoot. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Um, But he ends up getting more donors oh he's a con man and um by by the time he gets back on art show he basically tells our everything that went down and again even though he wasn't he didn't even ask for it i don't think on the show people are just like calling in hey man you know we're getting cash together we're gonna start a gofundme i mean that's how sort of relatively recently it was well but it's
1: that's the old that's the ultimate con. You know, don't ask for it. <laughs> yeah, right. Everyone, make everyone think it's their idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And so he was telling Art, basically, that he wanted to go at it again. He builds this machine. He's got the itch. He wanted to bring things along with him, though, this time, you know, just in case this memory failed him or played tricks again. But the issue was that apparently nothing metal seemed to, like, sort of play Nice with the vortex. Yeah, it could go in, but it was a little bit of a wild card. Sometimes it popped right back out. And other times it went out with a bang, showering sparks everywhere. And there were some, you know, trial and error moments that he had to go through. And he felt like he had cracked the code. He built this metal tube built just perfectly right that acted almost like a Faraday cage. And so theoretically, it would be able to kind of go through the portal and then pop back totally unscathed. And anything inside the tube, even if it was metal, would then stay untouched. So he kept on experimenting, documenting it, apparently, even going online and building up this following, I think, like, on internet forums and that kind of thing. And then one day he dropped, you know, the news that he was going to go on another trip. This time he'd be snug inside this tube. He'd even take his cell phone with him, right? Right you know be able to like take pictures and do all this kind of stuff and that that anyone ever heard from him now again Art was bummed out that Mike had disappeared once again nobody knew where nobody knew why but during the radio show Art gets his call and it sends shivers down his spine The caller stumbled upon a newspaper article from 1930 that painted this picture of a man who had drowned. Now here's the weird part. The dude was found inside of this strange looking metal drum, holding onto a small rectangular device That left everyone scratching their heads. They didn't know what it was. He had no ID, so they just called him John Doe. But again, many folks think that maybe his real name was Mike. What do you think, pal? Dang,
1: dude. The ending got me. (laughs) I was kind of doubting it, and then I'm back on board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, part of me was like... 18 years. 18 years.
0: What's that rap song?
1: (laughs) What song? okay yeah no i don't know what that is but part of me was like mike's on a bender dude and then he just shows back up you know and then he's like getting money from people and stuff but the ending is pretty cool i don't know i want to
0: believe it you know yeah yeah no just like i said earlier man it's like a lot of these stories they come to life on the internet or because of the internet, you know, I mean, early night, I mean, 1995 is when it all kind of started. He's a real dude. He really lived. He really got arrested for doing this. Right. A lot of the things that he explained and everything physics and, and, uh, all these professors and stuff have talked about it, like kind of holding water in a lot of ways and theoretically it could work and all that. There've been theories that people say that he did invent it. He did, you know, maybe some of those donors were, Related to the government, and even in one of the um, in the Art Bell shows, he he talks about how he's trying to keep it out of the government's hands, just because you know he doesn't want it to be militarized in any way, or he doesn't want to have like that be his lifelong burden. I mean, look at uh, Oppenheimer, right? Right. But because like the internet kind of took it and ran, there's a lot of people online. Just like you're, just like the, the, the flat earth versus the globals or whatever they're called, people arguing back and forth. Some people say that this person that washed up on the beach was not him. In fact, there was a user that commented on this Reddit forum claiming to be Mike Markham. And he said, quote, rumors are ablazing that I am dead not well and had time travel to 1930, something where I died on a beach in a tube. Whoever posted those pictures of a redhead, that is also not me. It was some, it was some school kid with my name that someone long ago attributed to me. Whatever was found in the 1930s was not me. And I've read that that was debunked, but can't find the article. So is Mike Markham still alive? Did he invent time travel? Does time travel really exist? I don't know, man, but a cool story nonetheless, right?
1: Yeah, no, that was awesome. I was, like, thinking, how does he know, like, what, the I feel like the weird stuff is, like, how's, how how long does it take to go in and come out? And, like, why is it coming out this far away or this, mm-hmm. you know, this much time? Or, and then he said something about, like, the metal, and I was like, but the first thing was, like, a metal screw or whatever. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's kind of like creepypasta, you know. It's like those... It's like hard to tell. I mean, obviously most of the time creepypasta is made up. That's the whole thing, I guess. But, um, that's a cool story. This one's tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, This one's tough because it's grounded in a lot more reality in terms of like this person being arrested for this reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's Mm kind of like, because of that, It makes it more believable than a lot of these stories, you know? Yeah,
1: totally. And I mean, he went on Art Bell. There's recordings of him. There's like the police reports. Uh, Yeah, it definitely makes it a lot
0: more believable. It's wild stuff, man. Well, again, dude, thank you so much for uh, jumping on, filling in for Tyler. And uh, any last words you want to uh, impart our listeners with?
1: no that's just this has been great thanks for having me uh yeah if you need me to fill in any more,
0: i'm here you know so let's do it awesome bro awesome awesome cool dude well once again thank you to the listeners that sent in their answers to the ultimate question where would they want to go and when let's say if they got a hold of uh, mike's time machine so thank you very much if you have a story of your own that you want us to share with the world, there are a couple of different ways that you can send that to us. Uh, first, you could email it over to us in written form. Our email address is that thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. Or you could send us a voicemail directly from our website, www.thatwouldberadpodcast.com. You'll actually see a little microphone icon uh, towards the bottom right of the screen. If you press that, you can leave us a voicemail or a voice message with your story right there, and then we can turn it into a segment on our show. Speaking of our website, it's actually a great resource. If you are new to our show, if you're a new listener, or if you're an old listener, and you want to go back and listen to episodes, you can go to the episodes. Page uh, of our website and can actually search by show topic, keyword, what have you, and every single episode that somehow relates to that will pop up. If you want to interact with us on a more consistent basis than once per week um, and you want to be more direct, you can shoot us a message or comment on our Instagram page. Our username is that would be rad. And, you know, for the most part, that is primarily where we end up kind of just hanging out and interacting the most. We typically will post extras or photos that we talked about uh, that relate to the episode, but also it kind of gives you an idea of what we're into and what we're doing um, when we're not recording new episodes of our show. If you really like our show, please do us a favor and make sure to... Give us a review on whatever podcast platform you are using. Of course, a five-star review would be ultimately appreciated, but also a written review. Tell other people what it is about our show that you love so much. Believe it or not, it makes a huge difference in not just reaching new listeners, but honestly just making our day. I mean, when we get a chance to read the reviews uh, that we've gotten, I can't tell you, it's, it's just incredible. So thank you to... Everyone that has taken the time to do that. Also, another way that you can support the show hugely, it doesn't cost a dime, is just tell somebody about our show. You know, a friend, a coworker, a family member, someone that you want to introduce us to. And if you want access to more exclusive content, you can go over to our Patreon, patreon.com/slash that would be rad. We call it the rabbit trail because we end up going on longer tangents and we talk about more random things and you get benefits such as bonus episodes, full access to the music that Tyler and I have recorded, artwork, handwritten notes about the episodes, and much more. Again, thank you so much for listening to our show week after week and supporting us all this time. You know, the year is winding down and... Well, this season will be wrapping up pretty soon. We typically take a break through the holidays, specifically around Christmas, and then return with a brand new season sometime in January. But don't worry just yet. We'll be here for a couple more weeks, giving you new episodes, new stories, and it's going to be awesome. So until then, we love you. We appreciate you. And as always... Be rad. That's the way it goes.